Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. I'm excited for today, all right? So, let's see. Well, let's start here. My name is Jason. My name is Jason Mann. Um, I also like to do this too. Sylvie, would you stand? Please. Yeah. Yeah. That is Sylvie. She is my wife. We are a dynamic duo and we absolutely love, like this is our home. This is our home. This is our family. And so honored to be able to, be able to share the message that the Lord has put on my heart with you guys today. I am not the, the main preacher. Uh, for those of you who are new here, I am not the lead. You will not see me up here every week. So if you see me once and then you don't see me a couple of times for a couple of weeks, don't freak out. We got a killer team. It's like 15 to 20 of us. And the Lord has so intricately woven this team together to where we can, we come from different experiences. We We've had different encounters, but we've all encountered the same Jesus. And we've received that revelation to where we can speak into different topics and we can speak into into lives in a way that, like Chris can share in a way that I can't share. Heather can share in a way that I can't share. Heidi can share in a way that I can't share. And I've been so fortunate. I was telling Sylvia last night, I'm so blessed to be under the leadership of this church We are so blessed as a body to be under the leadership of this church because the church here yields to what the Lord wants to do. And if you're yielding to what the Lord wants to do, you're seeking what he wants to do with his church. There's a common New Testament verse, and it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your your enemies a footstool for your feet. And he's calling on the church to make the enemies of Jesus, his footstool. And so that's what I came here to do today. And I'm hoping that everybody joins in agreement with me because as a body, when we do that, we give the enemy a terrible day. And he gave our brothers and sisters a terrible day yesterday. And we are coming at that in the name of Jesus. Right on. Feel free to, to clap, whatever, say amen, whatever. I, whatever your response is, the Lord's doing his thing today, and we're not going to get in the way. I'm certainly not going to get in the way. So we are in this Revelation series right now, and it has been such a beautiful time. I'd say that the theme of this season is just, just abundant blessing, and I think we've been able to see that. I think we've been able to see that in, our, in the kids' We've been able to see that in youth, for sure. We've been able to see that in collective and young adults. We get new newbies here all the time, and it just, like, riddles me up. I get so pumped. Our time in basement nights and living room nights has been abundantly blessed. We're now, we're now warring for those in the church. We're, com- we're coming into agreement as a body, lifting up the prayers so that we can move 
so that we can help steward the presence of the Lord, so we can help call on the kingdom of heaven to come and invade earth. Okay, so with a little bit of a recap on Revelation, I'll do it real quick. Okay, so first of all, who's the author of Revelation? Great job. Okay, so he's on this prison island of Patmos for the testimony of Jesus. Okay, so this is important. The testimony of Jesus is why this man is imprisoned on an island. And so John's worshiping in the spirit on a Sunday, and all of a sudden he hears from a voice like a trumpet, and he turns to see the risen Jesus, the risen Jesus in his most glorious and exalted form. And Jesus immediately says, hey, I've got something for you to write down. I've got a revelation for you. I need you to see, I need you to see the current reality how I am intending you to see it. Not painted with what the world is coming at you with. All right? So we need to put on that same lens here. Okay, there's a lot going on in Revelation. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of imagery. And so we're not going to rip this out of context. Okay, we're going to remember, we just spent a couple weeks in the throne room. Let us be rooted and founded in the throne room as people of the throne room so that whenever we peel back the scripture, we don't get lost in the craziness of it. We come into agreement with it. Okay, so John sees the throne room. He sees the Ancient of Days sitting on the throne. He sees the Son of Man standing in the midst of the lampstands. And then Jesus receives the scroll. The scroll, the scroll has the entire history written on it. Your history, my history, the church's history, what Jesus plans to do, where he plans to send the enemy. And Jesus is the only one worthy to open the scroll. And we've got to get that, we've got to lock that in our minds that he is the only one worthy. It's not celebrities. It's not the famous people. It's not what we go run to. It's not what makes us comfortable. He is the one who controls history. And he calls us to join in with him in this prayer movement as people of images of the Lord to call on heaven to continue invading earth. And so with that backdrop, with the lens of Revelation 4 and 5 as people of the throne room, that's how we're going to approach the text today. Okay, so I'd like to, I'd like to pray to to kick us off into the text, but I would like to pray in the way that, that our Lord instructed us to pray. If we could throw um, the Lord's Prayer up and, and just say, like, say this with your hearts, like, let this truly come from your heart, because this prayer ties into what we're going to be talking about today, okay? And so Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is to the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm. When we pray like that, we join in with heaven, calling on Christ's kingdom 
to come. And so we have our backdrop. We have the lens that we're focusing on today with. And so let's dive in. So Revelation chapter 6. Jesus begins opening the scroll. And so Revelation chapter 6 verse 1. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow. And a crown was given to him and he came out conquering. And to conquer, stop. Okay, let's not forget, we're reading this with the lens of chapter 4 and 5. Yes? Yes. Okay, we've also got to throw in Matthew chapter 24 in here too. Because what we are talking about, we're going to read about more horsemen coming. We're going to read about the seals being broken and so that the scroll can be opened. And in Revelation, there's nothing said in Revelation that hasn't already been said throughout the rest of the Bible. This is not a new God that we serve, the New Testament. This is not a new, Jesus is not something new. Jesus, Jesus reveals the Father in the fullness, in the manifest glory. The Father's perfect will in flesh. And so he foresees, he foretells us of the seals being broken and what is going to be going on whenever that happens. And so if we jump to Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking. This is before he goes to the cross. He is alive and he is well. And so Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all of these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. We have conquest. We have war and bloodshed, famine and earthquakes. Yet these are the beginning of birth pains. We have something new. Something is being put to death and something new is coming. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So something new. Something is being put to death here. What is being put to death here? As the Lamb is opening the seven seals, what is going on here? We're going to jump back into Revelation 6. So Jesus just foretold us of uh, there's going to be people coming in the name of Jesus to conquer. There's going to be wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. And we have the seven seals. So seal one. When the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. This conquer language is similar to the conquering language of whenever I preach to the letter of Ephesus. The Lord hated the practice of the Nicolaitans because they would, they would cause the church, they would start inputting these little, these little heretical lies into the gospel, they'd start saying, well, there's many ways to salvation. Oh, you can do this. This little bit of a compromise is not that big of a deal. It's okay to hate your neighbor if they're, if they're hurting you, if they're doing something to upset you. Did Jesus really say? That is the number one way that the rider on this white horse who is coming to conquer the people of God is going to come and say, did Jesus really say? Just like the serpent in the garden. Did God really say? And when he opened the second seal, verse 3, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. Now, we don't come into agreement with the truth that the lamb brings, that Jesus brings, and we, up, we end up getting conquered by that we end up turning to war and bitterness and bloodshed, which is exactly what we see here. It starts from we fold under the pressure of the conquering spirit of the Antichrist that's riding on the white horse, and then he sits there and he tries to entice us and make us stumble into the fact and say, well, we hate our neighbor. We've got a war against brother. Nation has to rage in war against nation. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seems to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil or the wine. We see famine here. We 
we see the government intervening in and declaring what, what measures cost what and getting involved in the food supply. We see famine here. We have the white horse riding, trying to get the Christians to stumble. And if that doesn't work, then war is going to show up, painting the earth red with blood. And then maybe we'll say, well, maybe, maybe Jesus isn't in control. They're trying to get us to say, well, maybe, maybe Jesus doesn't have the authority. Because whenever we sit here and we look at this, because the fourth seal, when the fourth seal breaks, then, become, then a pale horse comes, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. This is a product of the first three horses. All of this is the, the result of Satan's empire that rises up against the kingdom of heaven as it's coming to earth. And see, when Jesus came, he was coming to do something new. What was he coming to do that was new? I'd like to raise the question, I'd like to raise the point of the covenant. The covenant that God made with his people at Mount Sinai. And so if we think back to the book of Exodus, we have the Israelites enslaved in Egypt. And we have Moses in the wilderness. The Lord meets Moses in the wilderness. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And so God, out of uh, the 10 plagues, he partners with, Moses partners with God and helps deliver the people from Egypt. And as they're wandering in the wilderness, in the desert, they come to the foot of Mount Sinai and God's end up, God ends up bringing Moses up, to the mount, up the mountain of Mount Sinai and he ends up making a covenant with him in agreement with Moses saying, hey, I want you to be mine and I want to be yours. I want you to serve me and I will bless you. And we get the commandments, we get the law. And then we have what happens whenever we abide by the commandments, blessing. And then we have failure to abide by the commandments which is typically what happens throughout the Old Testament. And then we get introduced to the sacrificial system of the blood and bulls and goats to atone for sins. And so in that atonement, in the shedding of the blood of the bulls and goats, that is how we get back into right standing with the Lord, with the old covenant. This is what God made with Moses at Mount Sinai. And so all throughout history, the law is proving how sinful we are. And all God's looking for is a righteous remnant that he can use to display his love and his light through so that he can bring his children back to him.
And time after time after time again throughout the Old Testament, we see kings rising up, priests rising up, prophets rising up, and then they fall. And then the next best comes, and then we have David who comes, and then we think that he's it, and then he's not it, and then we have Solomon who comes, and he's definitely not it, and then it's, to, it's throughout the line, like we keep having these, these anointed people of God who are supposed to be the doorway for humanity back into the love of the Father, but yet out of, this, out of sin and out of corruption and out of failure, we keep falling. And so Jesus had to come. The second person of the Godhead had to come because we couldn't get it right as humans. And so he steps out of his throne. He steps out of heaven and humbles himself to become a man. In the seed of a woman. In all meekness and the utmost humility shows us how to love, how to reflect what is true of the Father, and Jesus does that through him, tempted in every way that we are, but does not fall, goes to the point of death has the opportunity the entire time to call it off. Whenever he's getting whipped, whenever the nails are going in, he had full authority. He had, he could have ended it right there and said, I'm doing it a different way. But he submitted to the will of the Father and what he had because in this system where the nations rise against nation, the Lord says, I'm not going to come like a lion. I'm going to come like a lamb. Through sacrificial suffering for love for one another to show true love and to open up the doors to funnel creation back into the arms of God. And so Jesus goes to the cross and he gives up his spirit. But it doesn't stop there. Three days later, he rises from the grave. He rises from the grave. He meets his disciples. He hangs out for, for a good 40, 50 days. And then he ascends. But he says, I have to ascend so that the advocate can come. He's got to ascend so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaim the good news throughout the earth. And that is when these horses are riding crazy. The white horse going around telling people, did Jesus really say? Did Jesus really say? Was he really perfect in his humanity? Did he sin? Are you sure he didn't sin? The perfect death. He really, nowadays, did he really die on the cross? Was the cross a real thing? Did he really rise from the dead? This white horse is going around trying to fill us with the thoughts, and he's using all types of things nowadays. He was using all types of things back then. Like, we got to remember that this was written to the church at the time, okay? For 
us. And he was using the political system. He was using the enemies. He was using everything he had because he knew that his time was cut short. And so we have this white rider riding. We have this red rider riding. We have this, we have this black rider riding. We're seeing, we're seeing the church under persecution. We're seeing, we're seeing war. We're seeing famines. We're seeing death. And yet, why? And when the seals are being opened, you have, you have these riders coming out after this call. It says that, the, second, the first, second, and third, and fourth living creatures say, come. Come. Are they calling the horses? Are the people in heaven calling the, the horses to come and wreak havoc? No. No. They're praying the second line of the Lord's prayer. Like, can we, can we put the Lord's prayer back up one more time? Sorry, didn't plan that. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, come. Come, they're calling, on, they're calling on heaven to invade earth, to continue invading earth. Because when Jesus came, the invasion came. He brought it. He brought it. And it's still going. It's still going. And so when we join, when we pray like Jesus instructed us to pray, we don't just join in with the people of this church. We join in with the people in heaven calling on the kingdom of heaven for Christ to establish his kingdom. And gosh, so why? Oh, why do we got to see the death? Why do we got to see the war? Why do we got to see the famine? Why do we got to see that? It's because it's Satan's satanic empire resisting and rising up against the kingdom of heaven coming to earth because he's doing everything he can because I'm telling you, his time is short. You feel the oppression, you feel the warfare now, that is because his time runs short and he's afraid of what the Lord wants to do through you. He's afraid of what the Lord wants to do through his church. And what he wants to do through his church is make his enemies a footstool for Jesus' feet. And that's exactly what he's doing. How do we know that he's doing that? Because the fifth seal shows what happens whenever the church started doing that. Okay, whenever he opened up the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers and sisters should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. The church rose up. This is the tension. This is the clashing of the kingdom of heaven and Satan's empire. This is the war. Spiritual warfare, wake up, is real. We are in the middle of it. Whenever we accept Jesus, whenever we accept the gospel of peace, We inherit a perfect life here. We get caught up in the crunch of this tribulation. And that's tough to digest. 
It's sour to digest. So that's why we join in with the kingdom of heaven. The enemy's going to keep fighting. But we got to keep calling on the kingdom of heaven to come. I'm sick of the white rider having his fame. I'm sick of the red rider having his glory. I'm sick of famine having his glory. I'm sick of death thinking that he's done it. I'm sick of death thinking that Jesus didn't take care of it all. I'm sick of seeing my brothers and sisters killed. I'm sick of my brothers and sisters being tormented. I'm sick of hearing about suicides. I'm sick about hearing depression. I'm sick about hearing bitterness and anger and rage. I'm sick about, I'm so sick about normalizing prostitution and pornographic material. I'm so sick of people selling their bodies because they think that that is the way to go. And Jesus, that is not it. That is a stumbling and falling. And so these writers are writing. And so we join in with the kingdom of heaven and we call on Jesus to establish his kingdom here as is in heaven. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth. As the fig tree sheds its winter fruit, when shaken by a gale, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones, the generals and the rich and the powerful, and everyone slave and free, hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? Who can stand? Who can stand? I'll tell you what, it's not going to be the rich and the powerful and the, and the kings and the generals of this world. Now, we run to them like they're our safety. This world runs to them like it's the safety. But whenever, whenever the kingdom of heaven is, is invading and Satan's empire is rising up and there's this tension and we start seeing all these, all these cosmic catastrophes happening... The false idols that are here on earth, we can't look up to them. We can't look up to celebrities. We can't look up to CEOs. We can't look up to uh, the monetary system. We can't go run to our, our comfort food. We can't go grab a coffee. That's not, that's not who can stand in this. Who can stand? Chapter 7 go, elaborates on it, but... I'm going to sum it up because that's for Katie next week. It is, the, it is the people of God who are sealed by the Holy Spirit through their faith in the gospel of Jesus. That's who can stand. 
That is who the Lord is relying on. Even while these writers are writing, even as the seals are being opened, that is who Christ is writing on, his people, those who have faith in the gospel to spread the good news. And in the midst of all this trial and terror and tribulation, to get the brothers and sisters to receive the good news and to experience real truth in the midst of chaos, to experience real peace in a time that it feels like you can only experience war. Who can stand? Who can stand? Now with this, we've been reading about a tragic average day in history in our world. But we know, we know this. There is one worthy. There is one who is seated on the throne. And get this as nations rage against nations. As Satan rises up and uses every weapon that he has, the Lord is not faced by that. Not one bit. Because he's in control. He has full authority. His hand, we are in the palm of his hand. He is our king. He is our peace. He is our joy. And as we are going through, as the tribulation unfolds, we find, we find peace in this tribulation. We find real love in this tribulation. We get refined in this the people of God get refined through these trials and through these things happening. And when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and earthquakes. These are signs that the Lord's about to move mightily. These are signs that the Lord is about to move in miracle signs and wonders. And so what, so what do we do as people of God? We read about the seals being broken. We, we think about who can stand. 
Who can stand when Satan's empire is running wild? Who can stand whenever there's pain, hurt, and suffering? Who can stand in the trials when life doesn't seem fair? Who can stand when the system feels like it's against us? Who can stand when we feel sick, when we're poor, when we're hungry, when our best friends are taken from us, when our families are are taken from us, when loved ones die from cancer or suicide, when we lose our job if we get a divorce, when the way of the wicked is promoted, When pornographic content is promoted and pushed to sell your body and join in, who can stand? It is the people who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's it. That is the message. That is the story. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We stand firm in the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb is symbolic of the new covenant. That was what's being birthed here. The old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats no longer atones for our sins. The sacrificial system went away whenever Jesus shed his blood on the cross. And that's what we need to come into alignment with today. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by the blood of bulls and goats. We are saved by our faith in the gospel through the blood of our risen Savior. And so the word that I have for you today is renew your covenant. That is what the Jews at the time had to do. Whenever Jesus gave his life and shed his blood, they had to come into agreement that the blood of bulls and goats were no longer the atonement for sins. They had to renew their covenant with the Lord through faith in Jesus. Friend, if you are curious today, what is salvation? It is faith in Jesus. And unfortunately, in the church circles nowadays, that gets a little bit too cloudy. But I want you to leave here today knowing firm and full well that you are saved by nothing but the blood. And when you come into agreement with that, reality starts to shift. You no longer have to go to these these houses of feasts to get filled up, okay? Follow me on this one. You can go into the houses of mourning now and experience life. You can stand firm whenever the world is shaking. Not leaning, standing firm. It's how we love those who have wronged us. It's how we forgive those who have wronged us because we've been forgiven. Who can stand? Friend, if you're under the blood of Jesus, you can stand. And I encourage you, stand and fight because we're in a battle. We are in a war right now. And Jesus is asking us in the midst of this war, son, 
daughter, join in with heaven and pray. Join in this prayer movement. Your prayers shift reality. You call, the Lord wants you to call on him. Don't remain mute in your quiet time. Don't just expect him to speak to you. Call to him. Call on him. Don't accept this reality. Don't accept just what you can see with your physical eyes. Daniel said, I kept looking higher and higher and higher until I saw. Don't settle. Don't settle. And if you're in the sweet spot with the Lord right now, bless. There's more. There's more because we can be in these sweet spots in the tribulation. We can be in these sweet spots in this warfare. But there's more. There's more. The Lord gave me a word two weeks ago. I was sitting there. I was having some, I was laying there. I was having some FaceTime on the floor with Jesus. And he said, I want to take my church to the next level. And I want it to be all throughout. I want the babies to be coming alive. I want the toddlers to be coming alive. I want Church 214 to be coming alive through youth, through collective, through young adults. We're coming alive in the prayer room. You might want to put a video camera in there on Monday nights because it gets lit. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling for the church to rise up because we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And that we can sit there and we can laugh in the face of the riders. We can laugh in the face of death. And we can say, death, where is your sting? We aren't a fearful people anymore. We're saved and we stand firm. Renew your covenant. Renew it with him today. Today, you may not have another chance. Renew your covenant with him. We are not saved by works. If you think you're getting to heaven because you're a good person, that is not the way that goes. That is the rider on the white horse. Okay? If you're struggling right now and you think death is going to deliver you, that is not it either. That's the rider on the red horse. We stand firm. We stand firm by, by the blood of the Lamb. And before I close this out here, I'm asking us as a church, friends, family, believers and non-believers, renew your covenant. Renew your covenant. And that simply comes by faith in Jesus. And if you have questions, I still got questions. I don't got it all figured out. I've got mentors. I've got people who pray with me. Craig came and prayed with me yesterday for an hour. I needed that so much. Chris pulled me aside today and gave me a vision. Needed that. Heather came up to me last week and said, what's the word? And I was like, ah, oh, like I'm, the, the scripture's connecting. She's like, but what's the word? I needed that. That is the leadership that we're under. That is the leadership that we've submitted to. If you want help renewing your covenant, find a friend, okay? I usually say the first couple rows, 
But now that I'm seeing it and my eyes are open, I see it flooding through the rows. Okay? We're, it's not meant, this ain't a life that we live alone. This, it's not alone time. Okay? Get into community. Okay? Collective members. 18 to 30 year olds. I'm not the only one with this much energy. Okay? There's a good spectrum. Okay? If I'm too much, we got, we got some others who you probably handle. Okay, get into community. Okay, get in prayer. Call on the Lord. Okay, call on, don't be afraid to pray in public. All right, it's not about praying in public. All right, don't get that twisted. Okay, your real prayer time is behind closed doors. Okay, so get on your knees, fall on your face, talk to the Lord, and say, Lord, how can I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? It doesn't stop. It doesn't, not just the old not just the middle age, not just the young, it's all, all right? It's a family. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus, your King. Come, Lord Jesus, and establish your kingdom here as it is in heaven. And Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, sustain us because right now the bread that we get, Lord, is so processed from crap in this world, Lord. We need only the bread that comes from you, the bread that is the word of God. This is the only thing that sustains you. This is the only thing that gives you life. This is the only truth. And forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors because he forgave us, thank the Lord. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now say this like you mean it. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Renew your covenant with him today. That is the word. That is the word. I believe the word affirms the word. And today, I told you I'd be feeling this out. Today, I want you to respond. I want you to respond genuinely. Whatever that means for you, the Lord, the Lord is here. His presence is abundant in this time. Renew your covenant with him the way, the way that is from your heart to him. You and him will do that. I can't direct that. I can't tell you how it looks, what it sounds like, all that. That is between you and him. But I'm letting you know, if you are, if you are an unbeliever, that relationship is so available, it's so real, it's so loving, and it's so true, and it's the thing that's completely changed my life. However you need to respond today, I'm inviting you to respond. I love you guys so much. Let's say prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that, that we've gotten together today.
Lord, we as a people, individually and as, as a community, Lord, we want to know you more, Lord. We want to love you more. We know that there's, that there's more than what, what we see in the physical, Lord. We know there's more than what meets the eye. We know that there's more to the reality that is present. And Lord, we plead with you today. Would you reveal that more to us, Lord? Lord, we turn our faces towards you. Lord, our hearts are towards you. Genuinely, Lord, would you show us your face, Lord? Would you make us new by your blood? And Lord, I'm calling on your name today. For the one who feels like an orphan, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are our Father. And that we're adopted as sons and daughters into your family. And Lord, so I thank you that we have brothers and sisters, Lord, spiritual mothers and fathers. Lord, I pray that none of us leave here the same as we walked in. Lord, if anything, keep that from happening, Lord. Whether that be through a question of, well, who is, who is Jesus? Like, I want to know more about him. Can you tell me about him? Let that heart posture Just reflect what you're doing in the lives of those today. We bless you and we thank you for this time together. We love you and we seal this word. In Jesus' name, amen.